0: Welcome to Family Life Today, presented in cooperation with this station by Power to Change. We hope today's program will give you something to reflect on and to encourage you in your relationships. Our hosts are Dave and Ann Wilson.
1: Okay, how many years have we been speaking at the Family Life Weekend to remember? I Get away.
0: 33.
1: 33 years. I think so. In 33 plus years of speaking at the Family Life Weekend, remember, I've never had, this only happened one time, a conferee actually got my home phone numbers.
2: Which would be hard back in the day, especially. Yeah, this is before
1: cell phones. Or This is or before social you can media. direct message anybody. Yeah. You only could contact somebody through a call to their home. My home phone rings in my kitchen. Remember we had that long cord? Yeah. that It was about 48 feet long because we could yeah. wrap it around the whole family room. And I pick it up, and this guy that went to the family life we can remember in Little Rock, Arkansas, got my number. I remember asking you, who was that? He
2: goes, it was this guy at a conference, That the conference that I met. I am like, I
1: don't even know how somebody could get my home number, but this dude got it, and he's sitting in the studio today. That's right, he <laughs> Isn't is. <that> cool? <laughs> do you remember that, Carl? Carl Clausen is in the studio.
3: I got to tell you, at first I'm like, who is this? And then I'm, that's me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's me. <laughs> do you remember it?
3: I do. That conference in Little Rock rocked my bride and I in a big way.
2: Um, were you a youth pastor?
3: No, I was with Robert Lewis in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I okay. was pastoring a group of single adults, and it was there was a revival breaking out. But all the while, my bride and I had a glorified roommate situation going on. Wow. And you know what? Sometimes you don't know it until you know it. Hmm. And so coming to the weekend that weekend, you guys were used so powerfully of God to help reorient our life back to something sweet. Mm. Isn't that cool?
2: That's really
3: cool. Yeah, and here
1: you are, uh, you know, decades later. We're going to talk about your book, The Seven Resolutions Where Self-Help Ends and God's Power Begins. Mm. But you're a pastor for church of church in Chicago, 180. Chicago, is that what it's called? 180 Chicago, yeah. Yeah, and we've been on your radio show, movie yes. radio in Chicago, Carl and Crew. It's the best. It's amazing. You're the best radio host in the world, besides my wife, but you're the best <laughs> in the world. Yeah, I mean, seriously, we love coming on your show. It's a
3: joy to have you on. It really is. You know, we're all about, you know, authenticity gets used a lot now, but we want to be authentic, and we want to give hope, so we bust open the word. We really do in a different kind of a show, and that is we help people take their next step with Jesus. We really want to help people grow mm.
1: and that 's what sort of what your book's about
3: yeah it 's about growing, but it 's in a very unconventional way. Let me just jump in. <laughs> American Christianity has an Achilles heel, and that is I really believe we understand god 's grace for salvation. And then we try to bootstrap sanctification, which is a big old word for growing up in Jesus. And so we find ourselves sitting here, and God's promises are over there. And my goal with this book is to close that
1: gap. Mm -hmm. So
3: the promises of God, like bearing much fruit and overcoming the stuff in the world and winning battles that you thought were unwinnable, seeing those things, Getting beat by the power of God.
2: So, Carl, when you say we bootstrap it, what do you mean by that?
3: Self-help is everywhere. I think almost like the American dream, and I love the American dream. Come on. it's It's got so much good to it. But the problem is it doesn't jive with biblical Christianity. It doesn't totally dovetail. Biblical Christianity is born out of humility. Hmm. And it's grown out of humility. The American dream is all about suck it up, buttercup. Here we go. But biblical Christianity is all about hanging in that point of need. As you receive Christ, so walk in him, Paul said to the Colossians. And that's what we've done. We've received Christ because we were broken. And at the end of ourself, I don't think you're fit for the kingdom of God until you are. And then... We find ourselves getting up, living by shoulds and ought tos. And even if we say, oh, I don't live by that, I believe the dominant kind of vibe in American Christianity is, boy, you better get her done. Mm -hmm. And that is antithetical to the gospel.
2: So let's talk about brokenness. You walked through that. Well, let me say, too, as Carl walked in, June Ann, you guys have been married how long? Thirty four years. With wow. two kids. Yes. I watch you and June Ann, and you guys are fiery for Jesus. Yeah,
3: we are. Still, like yeah.
2: you're you're passionate. When anyone is around the two of you, you can tell they've been with Jesus. So I asked you, why is that? And you said
3: we got saved twice, both my my wife and I. Now some are listening, going, <laughs> "Oh boy." I just got to say
2: that's bad theology. We
3: got we got uh, heretic on the horn here. Uh, <laughs> Now, salvation, my soul was saved in 1984. I was raised in church. Even an officer in my youth group helped charter a plane to go listen to Josh McDowell in Seattle. That's how old I am. Hmm. He was preaching, but nothing was really connecting. So I had this illusion of transformation growing up in the church. I thought I knew Jesus, but I didn't. And so then I go out and I do that thing called the Iditarod when I was 18 years old, 1,100-mile dog sled race across Alaska.
1: Just a little thing you just threw yeah. out
3: there? Well, <laughs> I, I trained for two years for that thing. <laughs> took 21 days, 8 hours, 12 minutes, and 32 seconds. Wow. But
1: wait, 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 it, 21 days?
3: Yeah, 21 days.
1: Behind a dog sled. Yeah, on behind a dog sled.
3: sled, yeah. From Anchorage, Alaska to Nome, Alaska. And it's brutal. I mean, I got into... Tough situations. I mean, really brutal. In fact, I did a foxhole prayer out there on the Editarod. I said, God, if you get me out of this one, I'll come back to church. I promise you. (laughs) But that's part of my story is that my first salvation, God saved me from an illusion of transformation. I was a Matthew 7 kid. I was on the path to saying, Lord, Lord. I knew the songs. I had been baptized. But really, I found out later I just got wet Mm -hmm. because I wasn't born again. So I had all the lingo down, but I didn't have the power of God. So after the Iditarod, you know, I had a horrible, horrible experience. Within two hours after that race was done, I was crushed because I thought, oh, no, I spent two years of my life. I didn't even have anyone to process this with. Mm. All I thought is. All right, I busted my tail for two years training for this thing. Saved every penny working at a lumber yard, driving forklift, busting my keister. And now this is it. And, uh, guys, it almost brings me to tears right now because as a young man at 18, I walked down Front Street and know him. I wasn't even old enough to go into a bar. He had to be 19. And so I walked down Front Street all alone, and I heard the Spirit of God calling me. And, uh, Satan was screaming at me too. And I didn't lend an ear to God. And so I went out on a three year quest, really looking to get the void filled, yeah. a God shaped void. And you'll do almost anything to fill that up. And I mean, it went from a pretty good living 18 year old kid to cocaine user. And God was extending mercy to me. Isn't it amazing when you're running from God? He's still chasing you and know, mm-hmm. extending mercy.
1: And, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not chasing you to punish you. He's chasing you to embrace oh, he's you. he's chasing me to embrace me,
3: man. Yeah, God doesn't have out a whip. He's got open arms. Mm. Kidding me. <laughs> I just exhausted all possibilities, man. Had a pretty serious cocaine and crown royal addiction. They seemed to counteract one another. And on February 11th of 1984, I was driving down a road in Anchorage, Alaska, and God said to me, are you done yet? And I, I just broke into a bundle of tears and I said, I'm so done. And Jesus saved my soul, man. Mm. And it was amazing. The deliverance was overnight for me. It isn't for some of my friends and I work with guys all the time who are, are allowing the Lord to uh, take control of different areas of their life. But for me, those things God delivered me from. So that was my first salvation, my second, third and Who knows how many thousands of times God saved me. He saved me from self-help. And I thought for many years I needed to do this thing in my strength. And so that takes us full circle to Family Life Conference in Little Rock where you guys were speaking. And you guys gave a, a vision. God allowed you to give a vision of what a dynamic marriage could be. And I realized, man. I don't have the power to do this. In fact, I got it in my face in a brutal way. It was just a couple of months before we came to that conference. Now, get this. I am leading a ministry that went from 12 singles to 500 that were on fire. We had a mutual friend, Greg Dempster, was leading worship for us. I was teaching on Thursday nights. God was using that. So we're watching God do something amazing And I'm walking through my house one day, and I'm minding my own business, just tooling through the home, just got the honey-do list done. I think it was a Saturday morning. And my wife's sitting on the bed, and I'm heading for our restroom. And she reaches out, grabs my left wrist. I'll never forget it. Reach out, grabs my left wrist. I look down, her chin's quivering. I'm like, babe, what's up? And I thought someone died. She goes, bub, we got a problem. I said, what, babe? What's going on? She said, I don't love you anymore. Hmm. And it scares me half to death.
2: How long had you been married?
3: Seven years. Hmm. Now, you need to know, I had no answers for my bride. And I remember the hopeless feeling of, I got nothing. Hmm. And I said nothing to her. I walked around the corner, walked into the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and there was that battle again. And the battle was Satan telling me, come on, Jananne's got all this. And by the way, she would have owned all of her stuff in a heartbeat. And the Lord whispered to me, look at me, young man. And on that day, I broke. I was saved from trying to be a man of God in my marriage in my strength. And God began to, what goes on to this day? He saved me from Carl trying to be the man And he showed me what Holy Spirit power looks like. And so when I say I've been saved twice, it's really not true. I actually wrote that in the book, I've been saved twice, but that's not accurate. Sometimes I get saved four or five times in one conversation. (laughs) I might get saved here talking with you guys. Because if we live in the Spirit, it's almost like we live up here a couple of notches, just aware of the Spirit of God speaking in and through us, right? Yeah. But it's easy to duck back down into Carl mode. And I think most people have that common experience. We just don't realize it. Then, wow, we need to live with the juice of Jesus constantly flowing through us. And so here I am today, all these years later. And, yes, I'm more fired up about Jesus (laughs) than I ever have been in my life. Really, it gets stronger and sweeter and more convicting. Yeah. And there's more pain because God will allow you to go through it, to grow you. But it's all beautiful, man.
2: You're so right, Carl. He gives us, I would say, these defining moments. Oh, yeah. Where, as you said, we see ourselves and we see that we're broken, we're needy. I've tried to do it on my own all the time. Yeah. But it's that surrender of like, Lord, what am I doing? Like, it's you. It's It's you. you. I can only do it with you and your spirit in me. Not just gutting it out, which I can easily, I think we can all do that. Yeah.
1: Do you think we surrender, fall down in humility without a brokenness, without a moment? I mean, you talked about that moment when your wife said, I've, lo-, you know, I have nothing. I know in the last couple of years you've gone through hard times as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, health medically, things. health yeah. stuff. I don't know if we get there without some moment where we just, we come to the end of ourselves you know that's
3: a great question dave and i think there needs to be these hallmark moments of i almost these banner moments yeah. of brokenness and by god's grace he will allow us to use those as as a stones of memorial yeah. so that we can remember again so i had a breaking in my life about 14 years ago that whoo it was tough man i got betrayed and it was brutal But God has used that in a sweet way because I go back to it time and again. So that's a a remembrance thing that God reminds me of my need for him.
2: But on plenty of occasions,
3: he'll break me anew.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking of the listener who's going through something really hard right now, you know, like just broken. Yeah. I mean, this is your opportunity that God's like, just come to me. All you who are weary, you say, all you who are broken, and I will be enough.
3: And I got to tell you, you are right on, sister. I tell people that come up to me after a church service when I preach the message, or maybe I'm talking to them on radio, sometimes I'll go and pick up a line and talk to them direct if someone's really hurting. And I'll tell them this, in your deepest brokenness, you are never, ever more positioned for God to do something great than now. So what you see as devastating, God sees as a golden opportunity.
1: And I would guess there's a guy listening right now whose wife has said to him what Janan mm. said to I don't you, love you, and what Ann said to me. What would you say to that guy? What's he do? How does he respond?
3: Humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and He will lift you up. I am a big believer that humility is the posture of power. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Andrew Murray said it. He said, humility is the one virtue that gives birth to every other virtue. Mm. And he's right. Mm. He's right. Humility is such a hot commodity in God's eyes that he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And sometimes they go, yeah, grace to the humble. Grace is God's power to do in us what we can't do in ourselves. So, what do we got here? Do we have a middle zone where it can be somewhat kind of self-led? No, 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 no. I'm convinced of this. Self-help, self-led, self-will is actually stiff-armed by God. He loves us that much.
2: Carl, what would you say to the wife who's June Ann or me, you know, back in that day where we have nothing? And she's thinking, yes, if only my husband would (laughs) humble himself. Like, what would you say to that wife? First
3: off, speak truth. I'd say give him a shot at the full deal.
2: And I would say, because I'm a good truth speaker, <laughs> I would say I, I concur. <laughs> I would it. say do it in love, speak the yeah, truth yeah, yeah. in love. Calm down, pray before you say it. Because Dave didn't hear me because I was so loud all the time. Mm. When I said it in love, even Julian, she yeah. said, "I don't love you anymore," and she was honest and open. And, and she was crying. Exactly. She was crying.
3: My bride didn't beat me up. Yeah. She told me, look, this scares me. Mm -hmm. And her
2: chin's quivering.
3: Yeah.
2: That's speaking the truth in love. It
3: is. And it was beautiful. So, yeah, you speak the truth, but you don't try to waylay the guy. Let God do that. But the key then is to be a true biblical partner. Go to your knees, man. I've seen God heal so much. I've seen him heal cancer in our home. I've seen him heal a marriage. I've seen him heal children. God's a healer. Hmm. And I think we underestimate the power of God to intervene.
1: We need
0: to
3: pray like the old saints did, man. (laughs) Just get back on our knees.
1: I mean, is that uh, resolution number one? Join God? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah,
3: joining God is all about getting positioned for God's power. I love to use this story that, for me, it captures it. I hope it makes sense to you. I learned how to water ski in Alaska right when the ice came off of a lake at a Bible camp. And I saw these guys out there skiing, and the camp had just gotten this new boat. It was a ski in teak, man, and it's like a nice ski boat. I'm like, wow, look at these guys. I was young, but I thought, I'm going to give it a go. So I got out there, got my vest on, plopped down, two skis, water start. And I put the rope between the skis, and they pulled it taut. They'd given me some basic instruction. They said, when you're ready, yell, hit it. And I'm like, all right,
1: hit it. <laughs> Ooh,
3: here goes the ski antique man, pulling me up out of the water. And arms extended. I'm coming up out, and, I mean, I'm almost on top of the water. And then I broke water skiing 101. <laughs> I broke it. The big rule. I grabbed that handle, and I thought, this boat needs my help. And I pulled on that handle. I pulled it right up to my chest, and I went head over heels. Guys, I got a nasal flush like you can't believe. I thought I had three lake trout go through each nostril. I mean, it was a flush. And I'm bobbing there in the water. Now I'm exhausted because if you've water skied, you know how exhausting it is when you're trying to get drug up out of the water and you don't make it. And I'm laying there panting for air and the guy comes around on the boat. I had a few friends there and they're just heckling me. But thankfully there was a guy that was actually somewhat Godward and he looks down at me and he says, Hey, you almost had it. Don't try to do what the boat alone can do. <laughs> don't, don't try to help it.
1: Well, that's a metaphor mm.
3: for our relationship with God. Do we do nothing? No. Listen, I was up on that lake and I was skiing and Soon I was slalom skiing. And a lot of people look at this and they go, they look at that metaphor and they miss something. They go, oh yeah, I just got to hang on to God. Now there's training. There's training involved and there's effort. Dallas Willard said, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Hmm. And that's the difference. God's power is not something we earn, it's something we tap into. That's the game changer. And I keep coming back to this, but Americanized Christianity, and I'm not just trying to hit America. I love America. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. But I think apart from our brothers and sisters in the underground church in Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, China, they have a built-in dependence on God, yeah. persecution. But we, having this great experiment here, need to remember that we're not naturally defaulting back to on our knees. But that's where the power is. So hanging on to God, remembering this, we don't have anything to prove, nothing to gain, nothing to win, nothing to lose in Christ. But we somehow think we've got something to prove. So, yeah, the key to joining God is fall on your face. Humility is one of the most beautiful things. I've been talking with my adult son here recently about this, and I said, you know, Uh, Humility is the ability to be self-aware when you walk into a room and you know, I'm in Christ. I don't have anything to prove here. (laughs) This is awesome. And I tell my son, Cabin, you can live up here, man. You can live at a different place because you've been graced by God to live there. So the words you say, the way you posture yourself, the stories you tell, you don't need to validate yourself. You just go live your life, man and watch God lead you. That's a powerful place to be. Mm.
0: We want to thank David and Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication, and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as Power to Change, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Interesting mentoring a younger couple or being mentored yourself? Check out Power to Change's mentoring initiative designed to help you avoid those pitfalls we all can fall into. Email radio at powertochange.org.au or go to our website families.powertochange.org.au under the Helping Couples tab to get started today. You're invited back tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today presented by Power to Change in conjunction with this radio station.